We are one church. We love God, love people, love his mission and love his church. Welcome to the One Church Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's One Church Podcast. Wherever you are joining us from today, it is great to have you with us. Today we continue our series about praying, caring and sharing with a message about how we care for those we seek to reach, recorded on Sunday the 14th of January by Tom Hind at our Odeby site. Enjoy. We're called to pray and we're called to care. For some of us in the room, straight away, we're in our comfort zone if we talk about caring. We say it's time to care and suddenly your heart just goes, ah, I'm ready. Because some of us have that ability to care for people, individuals, groups. Are there any people in the room that would say that they are a natural host of people? Is there anyone who's a natural host who loves to have people around their house? Go on, give me a wave if that's you. There you go, some natural hosts. See the hands there? If you want a meal, if you want a meal, you ask these people and they'll get you there. That Probably that day. All right, they'll be ready. They'll have three courses just waiting in the fridge. Oh, that's good. For us, um, I've had to work on this in being in ready to open our home to anyone. Part of me loves that home is like home. It's our space as a family, but we're getting better at opening our doors. In fact, our, life, our small group is meeting in our house on Wednesday. So it's all good. We'll clean up, we'll be ready and I'll open with joy. But for some people, it's just natural. You care for others and you open your hearts and your home so readily. And I want to honour that. People do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. There's a story that's told by J. John, and it's a true story of his life. Him and his wife were walking in a village where they live, just outside of London. And they were praying, and this was their simple prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. That's all they were praying as they walked. And they saw a woman nearby, and she was walking too. And they recognised her. She lived near them, but they'd never met her before. But they knew that she had a child who was sick. So they went up to her and felt that prompt to go. And they said, is your name Barbara? And she said, yes. And they talked together. And she said, I know who you are. So straight away, J. John, a well-known evangelist, a minister. uh, Yeah, I know who you are. And she said, can you please go to the hospice where my son is? I would love you to pray for him. So that day, uh, they went together, got in their car. They got the address, got the name of the the ward, the number of the ward. And they traveled to this hospice and they met Johnny. Johnny was 32 years old and they went up to him and J. John said, Johnny, we just met your mother and we live nearby and we live near to her and we'd love to pray for you today. And Johnny, who's there in this hospice, very ill, looks at them intently. He lifts himself up on his arms and he says simply, I'd rather have a hug. And so J. John and his wife, they crouch down and they embrace this man they've just met. And they hold one another and one of them begins to cry and another begins to cry and then the other begins to cry. And they have this moment of connection and care. And after they've just, the hug has broken in a beautiful way, J. John says, do you want the prayer anyway? And the man says, look, I'm an atheist, but if you need it, you can pray. So he does. So J. John prays for this man and he goes back to visit him. And every time he asks him to rate on a scale of one to a hundred, how far away he feels from understanding and believing in Jesus. And he starts off with a hundred, as in I'm as far away as it goes. And every time they meet, it comes down 70, 60, 40, 20. 
And then one day when they go, he's in so much pain he can't speak. And later that day, his mother comes to their home. Johnny has died. And there's a request. Will you come and speak at his funeral? And so J. John turns up to this funeral and it turns out that Johnny was quite well known. He was a DJ in the 90s. And there are 800 people crammed into this funeral service. And he stands up, introduces himself and preaches the gospel to all the people there. And afterwards, he describes it as like a mosh pit getting mobbed by this group of people who want to find out more about Jesus right there at the end of the message. And what did it all start with? It started with walking. It started with saying, let your kingdom come, your will be done. It started with prayer. Then it started with seeing a lady. After that, talking to her. And then on the back of that, following a request from her, acting on it and going. And in that moment where they met Johnny in the hospice, it didn't begin with a prayer where they began to speak you know, powerfully over this man. It began with what he wanted, which is all he wanted, a hug. And sometimes before we share any message, we have to care first. We have to pray, we have to care and then share. And just as I said at the start, people do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Our words must be accompanied by actions and any proclamation must be mirrored with a demonstration. Have you ever had a teacher in your school days? Maybe right now you've got a teacher in your school or college or university who you know that deep down they've lost their love for that subject. Uh, Did you have one of those teachers? I feel I've had maths teachers at regular occurrences through my life who they're teaching theory, they're telling me how to do it, but there is no joy at all. They've lost that love and excitement for the subject. History teachers are a different story. I've watched history teachers come alive when talking about the most, most mundane things. I remember Mr. Wiggins. He was the person who convinced me to do GCSE and I did A-level as well, mainly based on his lessons where he brought history to life for me. It's, it's okay to say things, but when we demonstrate it too, when we say that something's important, but we also show it as well, there's something powerful that happens. And if we want to see people changed, We need to pray, of course, but we need to be ready to care for others too, to put actions with our words that we speak. If we believe that God loves the whole world, then it's time for us to begin to love the whole world ourselves and do it like Jesus does. When Jesus went to the, he went to Nazareth, the place where he'd grown up. And after his, he'd begun his days of ministry, he went on the Sabbath day to the synagogue. Now, Jesus has probably been to this synagogue. I wonder how many, ta- how many hundreds of times he's been to this synagogue. And it was his custom. And then this day, something's different. We read about it in Luke chapter four. There's a little bit of it on the screen. It says that on this day, Jesus stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Now, there's no tablet. There's no phone. There's no little book. So he unrolls it and he knows exactly where to go. And he finds the place where it's written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And in that moment, the room is shook. And in verse 22, we read that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked, I find it quite interesting that their response to that is not what we would see looking back. Wow, Jesus, he stands in this moment fulfilling this prophecy. He is the one, he's the one who the spirit of the Lord is on. He's the proclaimer, it's Jesus. But right then, 
what they think is, isn't that Joseph's boy that we've known for the last 25, 30 years? Isn't that Joseph's lad? And in that moment, I kind of associate with that. How many times in my life have I heard this phrase? Isn't that, uh, is that David's, uh, isn't that David's boy? That's David and Sue. You're the son of David. I'm like, well, have mercy on me. No, good. It's the son of David. I've been David Hines' son for a lot of my life. One of the best things about working with children is now he's Tom Hines' dad, which is great. I love that. But sometimes it can lead to feeling inadequate, like you're just connected to someone else. And in this moment, Jesus himself, isn't that Joseph's son? But what Jesus does is he steps into this position as the one who has been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And after this moment, Jesus goes and wherever he goes, he prays, he cares and he shares. I want to be like Jesus. I don't just want to say it, I want to do it. I want to step out from any labels that have been placed on me as someone who is just that. Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that David's son? I'm more than that. I've been appointed and called, set apart and sent into the world to go and pray, care, share, and make a difference. If you feel that you have not got a place in caring for others, maybe you've thought in the past, I'm gonna leave that for the the knitters, the jam makers. They can do the caring, I'll do the sharing. Uh, The blanket crocheters, the card writers, they'll sort that out. The people with the big loungers who can host, they can sort that out. The people with the time on their hands, people who've got more ideas than me. In fact, every one of us is called to care in our own unique way. And our care can make a huge difference. You're not just Joseph's son. You're not just who you thought you were. You're the spirit of the Lord as it was on Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is on you to go and proclaim. You have been anointed and all of you in this room, you have been anointed to proclaim good news with your actions and deeds. And now it's time to go. So first of all, be inspired be inspired. We'll talk about ideas of how we go and care for others in a moment. But first of all, what does it say in the Bible? There's a book in the Bible called James. The book of James is a very interesting book. But James chapter 2 from 14 through to 18 says this. It's on the screen. You can follow it along wherever you'd like to. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So interesting. We have to be very aware that the context of this passage is probably written in a response to some misunderstanding about what Paul has been teaching. There are lots of, imagine this, there was a time where people couldn't just write something and then post it and send it round to all their friends. There was a time where it took time for messages to get out to different communities, passed from person to person to person to person to person. There would have been some confusion in the days of the early church about what one person had said and what another said. And what is tried to be communicated here by James is this. Paul has taught about being saved by faith alone. Faith alone. And along the way, there's probably been a misconception, a misunderstanding that all you need is faith 
And actually what you do is not important because you just have to believe. And what James is saying is different. It doesn't have to necessarily oppose it, but it adds to it. What James says is this, our faith will lead us to do good deeds. If we believe, then we'll act it out. If you've been saved by grace through faith, yes, of course, that's wonderful. But the necessary, inevitable, life-giving consequence of being saved by faith is that we live a life full of good deeds and good works and we make a difference with how we live. Because faith without deeds will appear dead to the world around you. And I'm not sure about you, but I never want my faith to appear dead because I have a God who's alive. And so I want my faith to be living, tangible and being able to be seen every day. From that passage, certain things that we could pull out. Showing care is a good thing. It's not a waste of time. It's always worth it. What good is it if someone has faith but no deeds? If you're someone who shows care in little ways, thank you. If you're someone who shows care with huge demonstrations, thank you. If you're someone who has the ability to show care consistently over months and months and years and years, you stay in touch with people. It's almost like a gift. Thank you. We need you. What you have there is from God. Showing care is a good thing and it is a good thing to do. For saying and doing, they have to go together. Speaking truth, but also acting it out, they have to go together. Saying that I love you and showing I love you are both important. If I just texted Philippa and told her with my lips, I love you every day, that's great. But if I didn't show it with the way I acted, how would she know without those moments of me saying? I want it to be that if I love someone or something, that they can tell that before I even say the words, simply by how I act. If one of you says but does nothing, what good is it? I want my faith to be good and make a difference. Faith without action is dead and Jesus is alive. That passage, that idea of it's, if faith is not accompanied by action, it's dead, should challenge us today. Do you in this room have a faith that if somebody looked at it from the outside, they would say it is dead? Is there a heartbeat to your faith or is it flatlined? Maybe you know that it's alive, but others don't. It's time to show the world that your faith is alive and let it transform the way you live in the way you care for others, in the way you look after them, in the way that you outwork your faith every single day. Deeds show faith without words. And here's another interesting thought. I will show you my faith by my deeds. If someone sees how you live and what you do, would they be able to understand and realise that you've been changed by Jesus just by the way you're living? Let your morals, your speech, your, the way you act, the way you respond that's the one I'm working on this year. Not just, not just your intention, but how you respond to situations. Let, let everything about how you live point to Jesus who has saved your life. And let everything that you outwork mirror what has changed on the inside. Let everything you say be backed up with how you are. I love that Jesus gives us an example of this through his whole life. If you need to be inspired of how to care for others, read the gospels again. Jesus came to serve and not be served. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who stops for the one in a crowd full of people. He's the one who sits with a sinner, even though other people scoff. He's the one who listens and loves to the least. He's the one who meets physical needs. He gives fish to those who need fish. He feeds those who need feeding. He gives 
living water to those who are spiritually thirsty. And physically, he provides too. This is Jesus. He speaks in ways people understand. I love that Jesus does this. He doesn't just speak in lofty tones that only the educated could get. He speaks in stories, parables. He gives examples that people are going to understand. He talks about bread. He talks about trees. He talks about fields. He talks about harvest. He talks about farming, things that people will understand. Jesus loves people. He cares for them. So he speaks in a way they understand. And above all this, Jesus gives his own life. A deed so great that the symbol that represents his death is recognized all around the world. And when the world sees the cross, it thinks of Jesus. And when the world sees your life and the deeds that you outwork, will they see Jesus as well? I want to live a life that cares for others. It's important. It's not just a sideshow. It is an important part of how we reach our world with the good news. So the second thing we need to do is not just be inspired by the word, but tell stories of times our lives have been changed as well. Remember the person from before? Well, it's time to talk to them. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to turn to that person you said hello to or people you said hello to, and you know their name now. And you're going to tell the story of somebody who cared for you. Okay, it could be a Christian. Ideally, it's someone who has faith as well. So it's someone with a faith who has cared for you. But if it's just someone who cared for you, that's fine. And you're going to take 30 seconds each to tell the story. Are you ready? Okay, if you want to hear the rest of the story, you've got to ask them afterwards, okay? I'm sure we've talked about many people. For me, I think of my grandma. I didn't know it at the time. I thought my grandma was just coming over for convenience to look after us. But she was giving me a skill every Tuesday. She took four buses from Derbyshire to where we lived in Nottinghamshire to travel over. She didn't have a car. She didn't drive. She would be there when we got home from school. And every week she would cook for us. She'd clean for the family. She would look after me and my brother and she would teach me the piano. And my grandma taught me from when I was a little boy all the way up to grade eight. She took, I only ever had one piano teacher till grade eight and that was my grandma. And it's a gift that I carry with me. She's, she has died now, but it's a gift that has changed and impacted my life. And her care for us, keeping us clean and fed and looked after, made such a difference. And I love what my grandma gave. Her care has impacted me because now that gift she gave me, I can use to worship God and lead others in worship. Like we never know what the ways we care for people, how it's going to impact them down the line. Now we're going to turn to each other and it's time to be, it's, it not, not, not brag about it, but it's time to share about you. And we're going to share about a time that you were able to care for someone else. It's not just what others did for you. Now it's time to share what you've been able to do caring for somebody else. In this room, I could pick out different people who've cared for me. I could pick out different people I've had a chance to care for. But every bit of care, every ounce of care we do, first of all, you know this, your Father in heaven has seen it. You know you're storing up treasure in heaven when you put others first, when you give to the local church, when you give your time to others. When we talk about offering and giving, we're not just talking about finances. We're talking about the giving of our time and our efforts and our gifts and our skills and our talents to others. And some of you in this room are doing an outstanding, all of you, excuse me, are doing an outstanding job of outworking your faith day after day. And I want to encourage us to keep going because it's worth it. When we care for others, sometimes it can be draining, it can be hard, it takes effort, it takes time, but it's an investment worth investing. For the last 12 years, we've run 
schools out, holiday clubs. And we've, we've done, it must have been, uh, we're into the hundred, hundreds of events now because we do six every half term. And Schools Out is a half-term holiday club that's free for anyone to attend. And we invite local schools. And I remember walking into an Indian restaurant to get a takeaway. And there was a, a boy aged 19 behind the counter. And he looked at me and he said, are you Tom? And do you go to Trinity Life Church? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he said, I used to come to Schools Out. And he said this. Now, now you never know what little things are going to make a difference. And they, this is so random. He didn't say the message you shared, it, it opened my eyes. I now see Jesus for who he is. No, what he said was this. I remember you let me have a second biscuit. I'm like, okay. And he said, and I loved that. I'm like, that's right. You're always welcome to have a second biscuit at school's out. And that made a difference to him. At Christmas, we were walking through town with some of our reach age children, seven to 11s on our Christmas trip. And there was a group of, um, you, you'd look at the group of people and maybe you would just take a couple of steps to the right. They were huddled together. They had like coats, hoodies on and stuff. And suddenly one of them turns around and it's Catalin. And it's this group of Romanian boys who we've known for years and years. And he looks over and he goes, Tom, how are you? How are the girls? How's your family? To see this boy who's grown up so well after many times where we have cared for him through gritted teeth in the clubs in our buildings as he's been rude, he's taught back. I remember one time he climbed the fence of the car park because we banned him from a group. And he climbed up shouting, saying words that I would never repeat from a pulpit let alone in my own personal life, shouting these things, teaching new words to all our kids in other groups as well. And I remember those days, but there he is. And seeing him, he's doing well, but seeing how he has just grown up. And I remember visiting their Romanian church that met in Highfields on a Tuesday night, going and sitting with them in a different language, but knowing that this was something important to them to see how he progresses through life and the impact we make. Let's never underestimate it. I remember growing up, my parents would make a big thing about caring for our neighbours. And we, we, everywhere we lived, we knew the neighbours. I remember Edna next door uh, when we were in West Bridgeford in Nottingham and how precious it was. And she looked after our rabbits and we looked after her home and, and we got to know her so well. I remember that my parents put on a night for six local ladies who were widows who'd lost their husbands and invited them around and they shared about memories of their marriages, their husbands and their lives. This amazing, precious evening of care. I remember Sheila and Tom next door who no matter how many times we threw a ball over the fence, they always bought it back. It was so good. And I remember the times where I'd see my mum or my dad talking to them. My brother used to have a habit it was a strange habit. He used to throw his underwear over the fence. So he would take it off the line or wherever and he'd just chuck it over. So you'd have Sheila and Tom would come round with the football, basketball, Sam's pants, Sam's socks, all these different things. And they built up a relationship over the years to the point where both of them died. My dad had the chance to go and preach the gospel at both of their funerals. Because over years of care and looking after them, this is the foundation that was built. And on it, you have a chance to share faith. It doesn't always look like someone who tears fill their eyes and they give their life to Jesus kneeling on the ground. But the little that we do makes a difference. The care that we show makes a real lasting change. There are many types of care we can show. And in the Bible, it lists many. Here are a few on the screen. We can show devotion, love, we can honour others. 
Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love, honour, and honour one another above yourselves. We care for others by being different to other friends they have. We bear the burdens of others. If you've got a burden that's too heavy to carry on your own today, don't leave here without sharing it with someone else. There are 10, 20, maybe even 100 people in here who would love to carry that burden with you. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Show kindness, tenderness, and forgive others. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. When we truly care, it comes from the heart. And when we have a heart that forgives, that is tender and kind, it really does make a difference. Let's show compassion. Not just to say we support open hands, like the amazing compassion charity that's, uh, that's flowed from our house. But more than that, I want to live with my hands open every single day, ready to help people in need. I want to be gentle and patient with others. I want to be God's chosen people, like in Colossians 3, who are holy and dearly loved. Clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience every single day. May this be the kind of person I am as I care for the people around me. And in 1 John 3, may we give and meet the need of others around us. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's time to care and put actions with our words. And I believe that today it's time to release you all of us, to go and care audaciously for the world around us, unashamedly caring, unreservedly caring, with no strings attached. You know, we don't go and care for others so that they will find Jesus. That's not why we do it. But in the midst of caring for others without any other strings attached, we know that through that, they will see something of Jesus' love that's changed your life and can change theirs too. Never care just because you're trying to get an inroad to share. That's not why we do it. We care because that's how Jesus lives. And so we're going to go and care for people. People do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. And now a commission over you. It's time to go and care. So just for a moment, if you're, if you're more comfortable this way, why not close your eyes, bow your heads. But just right now, it's you and the Holy Spirit, the one who cares for our every need. You're welcome here. The one who loves with an everlasting love, you're welcome here. Father, we thank you for your deep care of us. Thank you that you are the watching and waiting Father. You're the running and embracing Father that no matter how far we have gone, when we turn to you, you wrap us in your arms and embrace us. Thank you that before anything else, thank you that you're the one who hugs us. We thank you for that story of a man in a hospice asking for a hug and receiving it. We think of our lives that have been wrapped up in your arms and we've been embraced by you and we just will never get over it. Thank you for the privilege of praying and caring and sharing the good news. 
May we be committed, compassionate, conscious, covered, Christ-centered carers of everyone we meet. Help us to care for the people on our lists that we're praying for. Help us to care for everyone that we come into contact with. Help us, Holy Spirit, to care for our families, our friends, our neighbours. And as we pray and as we care, would you give us opportunities to share in the midst of it something of the hope that we have found in you? Give us the boldness to speak up when it's time, but also the patience to simply care when it's not yet. May we care for people with no strings attached. May we represent you and may we change the world one little heart at a time. As you go out today, you'll see an open hands donation bin. Now I'm not inviting you to get in it because that will break the bin. But almost in your heart as you walk past it, just just commit yourself just to say, in the same way that Open Hands every week, we're caring for the felt needs of, of people all around the county. Just almost commit yourself to say, like, Lord, whatever you want me to do this week, whether that's caring for someone with a phone call or a text or caring for someone physically with a visit or opening my home or caring for someone by meeting a need, someone who's hungry, someone who's lonely, someone who, who needs support, whatever it is, almost be ready, like just in your heart to get into that basket and say, Lord, I just give myself again to meet the cared needs of those around me so that I can make a difference on your behalf. We cannot just pray. We must also care. And then at the same time, we believe God is calling us to share his good news with the world. Thanks, Tom, for that message. Let's all be encouraged to look for ways that we can care for our world this week. And remember, if you would value some prayer and or care, then do not hesitate to get in touch. We are here for you. There are many things coming up in the life of One Church. This is your family news for One, two, three, four. Firstly, we are currently advertising various job opportunities, including roles within our preschools, our coffee shop, and with open hands. If you are interested in any of these positions or would like to know more, then please contact us. Secondly, if you are new to One Church or considering making One Church your home, then our next Newcomers Evening is on Sunday the 11th of February at 7pm at the One Centre. This is a great place to meet some of the senior team, hear more about the heart and the vision of the church, and find out how you can get involved. Get in touch to sign up today. Thirdly, we are starting an Alpha course on Sunday the 18th of February. This is a really accessible six-week course for anyone that is interested in the Christian faith with great teaching and discussion. If you or anyone you know would like to be a part of this, then register your interest today. And finally, at the end of January, we have our Mission Weekend, with three great opportunities to invite your world. We have three events, all happening at the One Centre on Frog Island. On Friday the 26th at 7.30pm, we have a comedy night with Mark Ritchie. This will include some performance music and will be a very relaxed atmosphere with lots of laughs. On Sunday the 28th at 9.15 and 11.30am, we have our next One Church Together with guest speaker Canon J. John. We will praise and worship, and then he will share the gospel and cast the net for many people to find Jesus. And on Sunday evening at 7pm, we have our next encounter night, 
where we are believing to go deeper and to experience the power and the presence of God at work amongst us. Let's be praying for these events and let's be inviting as many as we can. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.